the biggest gift, you know, that Sistema Vladimir Mikhail have, have given me is to know how to take a deep breath and mm. exhale and transform myself. Mm. What a gift that is. This is Glenn Murphy with NC Sistema, and this is Sistema for Life. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Really glad to have you on here. Likewise, Glenn. Yeah, really good to be here. Real. So kicking off, um, I understand we've, we've got kind of a little bit of, a, of some similar background um, going on, actually, because uh, you studied Aikido for quite a, a few years and more extensively than, extensively than I did, it sounds like, but you were in Iwama in Japan for a good few years. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? What, was, um, what drew you to study martial arts in general and, and what drew you to, to Aikido as, as a style in the first place? Yeah, um... So yeah, I, I did Aikido for about 25 years, and yeah. um, there was some crossover that with that and Sistema as mm. well. Um, I was, in, in terms of what brought me into martial arts, um, always been interested, even before I knew kind of what martial arts were. And I, I guess most boys and kids are quite similar. You know, I'd kind of, I'd be the the kid running around the woods pretending to be Robin Hood. You know, of course, you don't think of him as a martial artist. Hmm. But of course, he, he absolutely was a martial artist. But yeah. because he was like a folk hero and a cultural hero, and there was all the stories about him in the UK, then we kind of didn't, even though you knew about his star fighting skills and bow and sword, you don't, or I didn't anyway, really think of him as a martial artist. Hmm. Um, but uh, but he absolutely was. And so he was, you know, the guy I was trying to emulate. I grew up in a rural area. And then, you know, King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. And, you know, again, don't immediately or I didn't anyway draw the link between him and being a martial artist but yeah so I was that kid you know running around climbing trees making bows and arrows with you know with my dad and <laughs> and then um, and I, I grew up in the 70s um so you know Bruce Lee was you know kind of breaking through Enter the Dragon in 73 the year I was born classic and um <laughs> and yeah so so what brought you to Aikido specifically so yeah I'd done um karate and i and i i studied that with uh with, with a friend and loved it mm. you know and it was kind of you know learning these kind of the, the technical ways and you know just being in that arena and that environment you know felt very at home to me um and then uh, then uh, i watched the steven seagal film and that's kind of what brought me to aikido uh the first one which which is called nico in the uk yeah and um and I, just the, the I've never seen anything like it really, and the variety of it, um, you know, the, the seriousness, the claps at the start, and um, that the, the the multiple attack stuff, the you know, the throws, the locks, the you know, everything, and it, it kind of intrigued me. Mm. So I, I kind of, but I'd never, you know, then Aikido was certainly, you know, in my part of the UK, largely kind of unknown. So yeah. Um, so I kind of cast around a bit and eventually found out that it was Aikido. And when I looked around, there was a, a class near me that I'd never even heard of. Hmm. So I, I went along and um, loved it from the first session. Uh, there was a really good teacher hmm. uh, a called uh, Michael Neary. Um, and um, and so for the next two and a bit years, it kind of completely absorbed me. And, you know, after a, a few months, I, I kind of tailored off the karate and, and focused solely on on uh, aikido yeah and uh, and that was i was about 16 17 then hmm. and um and I, I i did my a-levels and i def i got a place to go to university and study geography and PE. yeah uh, at leicester 
Uh, but I deferred it for a year. And, and I thought in that year I'd, you know, do a few things. So I, you know, I took my first, my first trip to Canada. Mm. Little was I to know how much I would go to Canada in later years. <laughs> but uh, a friend and I uh, hitchhiked. For, for, we flew into Toronto and we hitchhiked to Vancouver Island and back again. Wow. Great adventure. Yeah. And, um, uh, and, and then I had about another nine months before my university course was starting. Mm. And, um, and I thought, yeah, I wonder if I could go somewhere and kind of immerse myself in Aikido for a period. So I spoke to my teacher and he said, well, yeah, we've got a guy coming over from France called Philippe Verino, mm. who was a, I didn't know, he's a student of Saito Sensei. And uh, he said, maybe you can go and study with him. You know, it's, it's France, it's not too far away. And he had a full-time dojo. Mm. Um, and so he came over and, and we had a chat and he said, okay, he said, I'll, I'll, I won't try and do a French accent, but he said, I'll, I'll watch you stud, uh, study. And then he mm. said, we'll have a chat at the end of the seminar. Yeah. And uh, and at the end of the series, it was just a two day weekend seminar. Um, he said, "Yeah, he said you seem earnest and serious about it." So he said, uh, "He said, I'll tell you what, you can come and train with me, but if you're really serious, I'll give you the introduction you need to go and study with my teacher yeah. uh, in Japan." Mm-hmm. And I hadn't considered this, you know, and I thought, "Wow, you know." So I readily agreed, even though I hadn't, you know, made a an internal commitment to it yet. But. Um, <laughs> But uh, I, so I, I kind of, I went back and um, this was actually before I went to Canada. Yeah. And uh, I spoke to my parents and they said, because I, I but he said, you know, it's probably going to, you're probably going to be there longer than a year. Hmm. So obviously it would interfere with the university. Hmm. Uh, and um, so I spoke to my parents and, you know, my mum and my nan and they said, no, get your degree, get your education first. And then you can go and do those things. You know? hmm. And my dad's, you know, through the form said, you know, do what you want to do, you know, do what feels right. Yeah. And um, and so it was kind of 50-50 in the UK. And then I went to Canada and traveled. Hmm. And almost every single person I met said, do it now. Because if you go to university, you'll never go back and do that. Hmm. Um, you know, these opportunities don't come by very often. Yeah. And of course, this was in 1991. So this was before internet, before mobile phones. So, yeah. you know, when I went over there, all I had was... A letter of introduction. Yeah, I, d- I had no communication with the dojo in Japan. You know, there was, I, I, you know, I didn't really even know where it was. I had some directions on a piece of paper. Yeah, and uh, and so yeah, I, I I went on a, I saved up enough money for a one-way ticket and enough money for one month. Because mm. uh, I was told it was quite easy to get work teaching English. Yeah, and and sort of off I went. And so, in, it was a really quick journey from watching the Steven Seagal film, um, <laughs> in. Less than three years later, I was at the original dojo of the founder of Aikido, you know, and yeah, and, and uh, with you know one of his longest-serving students. Yeah, and it was quite. A, and it's funny only when you look back. Sometimes I think there were moments there where I have that kind of wake-up moment. You think, "Wow, I'm actually here doing this," you know. Yeah. But it's only when you look back you think how many different threads came together and you know by chance. Yeah. So I had a similar. There's a lot of serendipity involved in this kind of thing, right? And it's. I had a similar thing. I was supposed to be going to. uh, I was supposed to be going to like an art and design college, like straight out of school after after did my A levels, and uh, I broke my leg horribly doing jujitsu, pretty much. Um, And my my entry was deferred while I was healing from this horrible broken leg injury, and I ended up working on a building site and being in a band and messing around, Um, and then went back to university to do something else. And it was because I went to a different university to study a different subject. I met Rajiv uh, Yatawala, who we both know, and and started studying Aikido at university. And then at the end of that um, four years, I got a recommendation from my instructor in 
Scotland and I went to Iwama and went to met Saito Sensei with my letter in my hand all nervous and everything like that so yeah. I think which I think is about a good like four six years down the line from when you were there so I, so you were there from 92 onwards something like that 92 96 so, I, don't know. I was there for a year yeah I was there for a year and a half uh 92 91 92 to sort of 93 94 yeah and then I came back for six months to kind of try and figure out what I was going to you know do because it yeah I I tried to get a cultural visa to live there, but I couldn't get one. Yeah, and uh, you know, you could only you could only get three months. You know, this is a oh no, you're different because you had a working visa. Yeah, but I was a visa, so yeah, yeah, I had three months, and then I could extend it for six months, mm-hmm. and then um, then you had to do things like go to Korea and come back, or wash your passport and stuff like that. So yeah. I get a new passport. So I was I managed to eke a year and a half out of it, mm-hmm. and. Um, and then I went back to the UK uh, for about a year and a half. Mm. And I came back again for six months to just try and get my head around what on earth I was going to do, you know, because, yeah. uh, you know, was I going to come back to the UK and try and try and make a living out of teaching a martial art Aikido, which is what I'd always wanted to do? Yeah. Or was I going to come back and go to university? Was I going to try and find a way to live in Japan permanently or just mm. do something completely different, you know? And I came back and I, I worked on a golf course and kind of I, I taught Aikido and but I, I very quickly figured out how difficult it would be yeah. to try and make a living out of it and it mm. was there was just no way I had the skill set or the, the you know or anything to you know I could do Aikido yeah. I was pretty good at Aikido but in terms of having this, the, the the personal skills and the business skills to make a living out of it I sure. just was so far from that yeah so um so yeah and and, and also. I, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy teaching Aikido then, I think. Hmm. Part of me wanted to be on the other side and, and training more than teaching. I was still only 22. Yeah. Then. And, um, and, and and also, you know, I, I very hugely was lacking in any kind of self-confidence or, you know, self-belief. And, hmm. you know, I was confident in my ability to do Aikido, so that never troubled me, whoever came on the mat. Hmm. But, uh, but in terms of, you know, social skills and, and the, all the other skills you need, you know, yeah, um, I was sorely lacking, and um, so I went back out to Japan to try and figure it out for six, six months. And uh, five months and two weeks into that, I still had no idea. Although I thought <laughs> deeply, you know, and I'm kind yeah. of, I'm not a quick, spontaneous thinker. I, I kind of, it takes me a while to come to a decision generally. Yeah, and um, and then this guy turned up uh, from Australia, a guy called Warwick Stacy, hmm. and. Um, and I, you know, I took him down to meet Sensei and to show him, you know, the ropes, you know, and, and where where the futons are and where you sleep and how you eat and that kind of thing. And mm. and as we were walking back from, you know, from Sensei's house, uh, I said, "You got a bit of a British accent." And he said, uh, "Yeah." He said, "I spent eight years in Britain." Mm. I said, uh, oh, "Okay." I said, "Whereabouts?" He said, "All the shots." Mm. And I I had no kind of military background with military history, mm. but. Um, but I'd seen the program in the 80s called The Paras. Yeah. And so I knew that The Paras were from Aldershot. Hmm. It's quite a famous, you, you probably remember it. Yeah. And um, and I said, oh, I said, the home of The Paras. He said, yeah, that's right, the home of the British Army. Hmm. And uh, I, I kind of thought nothing else of it, but something started whirring. And then a couple of days later, we were sat outside after training on a bench outside the dojo and having a glass of water. And I said to him, so, I said, so you're in The Paras? He said, yeah, he said, I spent five years in the Paris and three years in the SAS. Wow. And as soon as he said it, I thought, that's what I'm going to do. 
And it still, you know, you, you get a couple of feelings in your life, I think, that are the oddest feelings. Yeah. And you really remember them. And it was an odd feeling because it was completely decided, hmm. in a, you know, without any thought. And I thought, that's it. And so I, I, I said to him, I said, you know, how hard is that to do? And he said, well, you know, it's a bit hard, but, but you've got to make the decision, make the commitment. Hmm. And he kind of prepped me for my final three weeks. And he, you know, kind of really thoroughly prepped me, you know, in terms of get my head around it, you know, how to pass the interviews and that kind of thing, because they're quite serious interviews, you know, it's yeah. a three day interview and a two day interview and then another two day interview. And um, and so and then I went back and I, I, I rang them up and within six months I was starting at Sandhurst. Right. So, so, um, so that's the Royal Military Academy in Sandhurst, right? For, for those in the, everyone from the UK pretty much knows what Sandhurst is, but I think we've got a lot of uh, listeners all around the world. So that's the place where, you know, it's basically high level officer training, right? For the most part. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. It. Leadership officer skills. Training. Yeah. Like kind of West Point from America. Yeah. Right. I did yeah. my year there with officer training. Yeah. And then, um, then you, you kind of, then you leave and go to your chosen regiment or the, you know, the regiment that you're, um, the, the that will have you will accept you and yeah. uh, luckily i was accepted by the parachute regiment mm. so different regiments can sponsor you to sandhurst but then you still in uh, month nine you down to have the the interviews with your regiment and they kind of look at how you're doing look at your course reports and mm. kind of interview you and it's kind of a, a really probably you know heaviest weight interview i've ever had probably they're mm. kind of three generals sat in front of you and colonel commandants and they kind of grill you on why you know, you should get into the parachute regiment. Hmm. So, um, so you know, lucky, uh, lucky enough, I, I passed that, and um, you know, by the skin of my teeth, passed that and joined the parachute regiment. So, and then you ended up um, achieving the rank of captain in the end. Is that right? You you, you left That's as it. a captain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Yes. So, uh, yeah. So, I, I served five years in the parachute regiment. Um, uh, five amazing years. Uh, left as a captain, and uh, and and yeah onwards from there and so 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 for that whole period i didn't do martial arts mm. although you know arguably i'm doing i was doing kind of martial uh, martial martial arts <laughs> you know. yeah yeah so it kind of yeah that's yeah that yeah um so so that that kind of filled another part of the puzzle if you like really yeah um you know but but it, but even after that so aikido you know i had an amazing time and i've got you know huge amount of respect for aikido and and after that i i kind of had some gaps that I needed to fill personally, you know, and, and the army filled some of those and that experience yeah. filled you know, some of those gaps. And, but even coming out of that, I, I still had some gaps that I kind of hadn't filled. Yeah. But in my last year, this is how I came to Sistema really. Um, in my last year, I, I used to get the Ike journal emails through from Stanley Pradden. Yeah. And he, he sent one out about his experience of Sistema and he, he, he wrote a, like a blog about uh, an experience where he and some other kind of high level instructors, Japanese and Western were in a room and they were all kind of putting in old videos of, of O sensei and different teachers and enjoying them and, and looking and comparing them. And then, then someone said, what do you think of this? And they put in a, a, a video of Mikhail and Vladimir or two Russian guys who mm. was Mikhail and Vladimir um, doing some stuff in a hotel room and the whole room went quiet. And some people kind of dismissed it and some people were wowed by it. And Stan's response was, wow, you know, this, all of the things that we look for in Aikido, the blending, hmm. the, 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 the use of momentum, the flow, the, um, 
the the, the peace, the non-aggression, they're kind of all there, you know, mm. in abundance. And 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 he said, and, and so much more, you know, uh, um, in, in terms of the strikes and the, the spontaneity, the creativity, the fluidity. Yeah. And uh, and and it, and it intrigued him. And so he, he he talked about he went to see Vladimir in Toronto, and took a lesson. And you know, it's not just the the the, the skill of the practitioners, uh, but he was intrigued by the the method of teaching. Yeah. And the style of teaching, but uh, but also that you know the, the the warmth of of Vladimir and and Vladimir took him to dinner and that they spoke and and he really wrote so um, eloquently. And of course, he's passed now. You know, Stanley Brennan. And, sadly, uh, yeah. Sadly, yeah. And, and and he wrote so eloquently and so intriguingly about Sistema. I thought I need to have a look at this. Yeah. And at the bottom of the email was um, some dates that Mikhail was teaching, and he was teaching not far from where I was based then in the UK, and this was in two thousand and three. Hmm. And so I went down to to have a look at it, and uh, yeah, I got a bit of leave and, and went down. And uh, and like everyone else, when I first went in. Um, well, the, the first bit, maybe not like everyone else, but everyone else from the military, I think, or certainly my experience, I saw these guys walking around in combat and it just turned me off a little bit, you know, because mm. if you're doing it as a, as a professional, then you see guys in combat, it kind of, uh, rightly or wrongly, it, it, it kind of smacked of guys that dress up on weekends and run around forests, you know. Weekend warriors and commandos. Weekend, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that kind of thing. And that, that's harsh. That comes across as harsh, actually. I don't mean it to. But, it, yeah. but uh, for me, it kind of... Uh, it, it, it kind of I wasn't enamored by that bit yeah and then we did the walking and the breathing and I was like what are we doing here you know and <laughs> and then but as the weekend went on I kind of you know and the, the softness and the slowness um I got more and more intrigued and and then and Mikhail about halfway through the Saturday called me up to attack him hmm. and uh and and I kind of said that you know how do you want me to attack because every martial art before that had said come in with this or yeah. come in with that and I said, you know, how do you want me to attack? And he said, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I, said, I said, how fast? And he said, it doesn't matter. You know, just with a smile. And, yeah. and so I, I kind of had a smile as well. We both smiled and I kind of walked around him. And at the first thing that went through my mind was, I can't see where to attack. I, I couldn't see any openings. Yeah. But he wasn't in a stance uh, particularly. Hmm. And I, so then I just, you know, picked the time and came in. And, and I, I could, it was an, it's another one of the, the moments. And I... I, can't, I don't know what he did now. I don't know what attack I came in with. I don't know what he did. Mm -hmm. But I just kind of gently found myself upturned and on my back looking up at the ceiling. Mm. And what went through my mind was that Saito Sensei tells a wonderful story about his first experience with O Sensei mm. when he went to ask to be a student and he was the only one of his mates brave enough to go to this place in the middle of the forest. And, yeah. and he, O Sensei said, you know, come in and punch me and you know after he, he waited patiently on the edge of the mat and while a guy was having, he was having tea with someone and he came in to he said come in and punch me and he, he came in to punch him and and he was just gently upturned mm. and uh, and he wasn't quite sure what had happened mm. and I, I when Mikhail did that I had this smile on my face I thought this must be just what it had felt like for Saito Sensei when mm. he came into Echo Sensei that time yeah. and it was a I just felt a wonderful connection across arts across time across geography and yeah. just to the same point and it was um yeah it, it caught a moment and i told vladimir about that a couple vladimir and michael actually a couple of years well, over a decade later yeah and that said wow it's beautiful you know 
Hmm. Uh, it, it was, like I say, another one of those moments. Yeah. And um, and you know, from, even before I went into attack, when I couldn't see an opening, I was kind of convinced. And then that you know, I attacked in different ways, and I got hit out, thrown out, upturned out, you know, different things. Hmm. And I, you know, so I was totally convinced of a system as a martial art. Yeah. And um, but then I went back into the army, and I didn't get chance to to train at all. I wasn't doing any Aikido or Sistema, you know, through my whole period in there. Um, but although I had taught a little bit of Aikido to, uh, I, I taught three times. Mm. Um, went to, to to my platoon before we went to Northern Ireland, um, and then a, a couple of other times. And um, it, but I picked up Vlad's DVDs. The, mm. the, the hand-to-hand DVDs, the, the old and, school ones with the with the heavy metal soundtrack. That's it. In between things, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it, yeah. And um, and then when I came out, I, I came out a couple. Sounds, sounds odd. When I when I left the army and kind of came out after a couple of years, people asked me to start teaching again. Yeah. And uh, and and I did. And already my aikido had changed. I, I was incorporating some of the concepts and the principles. But yeah. I learned on that one weekend and those DVDs. Yeah. But I think if you know what you're looking for, then you've just got to see it and you start to work it and implement it. Yeah. And I did, you know, and um, and from that moment on, really, it had changed. And, and although I, I didn't say I was doing Sistema, mm. uh, I just kind of taught Aikido. But it, 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 the things that changed were I kind of really brought a focus to the breathing. Yeah. Um, or my limited understanding of the breathing by then, and boy, has that changed since those times. Yeah. Um, but I, I started introducing the pillow work, you know, but, you know, smooth and slow, mm. the, the walking ladders. And also, you know, we, we kind of maybe do a, a technique like shihonage or, or something. Mm. And then at the end of the class, I'd really free it up and say, okay, now work slow, come in with any attacks, any grabs. Mm. And just see what falls out of the the movements of Shihanagi, you know. Yeah. So I kind of tried to to free it up, and and you know, you know, Aikido is is pretty technique orientated. Iwamura Aikido is, you know, hugely technique orientated. Very traditional, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and precise and specific, you know, and prescribed. But although the end game is is the, to get to Takemusu is is the same thing. You sure. Know? The, yeah. That complete is in you, and it you know kind of. The, the right thing comes out of you at, at the right, you know, in the right situation. That, that's the Aikido that, that is born in that moment. Yeah. The, the right thing. And, um, and, and so that, that, so, so that, it, that was kind of how I uh, spoke about the reason for this freedom and this creativity at the end of the lesson. Gotcha. So what, what was the turning point when you decided to switch to teaching Sistema full time? Was there one experience or uh, was it just kind of it built up over time? Yeah. So I, I in, it was in 2012, and uh, or 2012, to the, uh, very early 2013, actually. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, I know that quite precisely. And in, in those intervening periods, from kind of 2005, six to then, I did a bit more uh, system of study. I, I had a job in crisis management that took me around the world, and I used to go to South Africa quite a bit. Mm. And for a, a two-year period, I went, but about an 18-month two-year period, I went to Johannesburg every month for a week to 10 days yeah and i thought hey, i want to study something else and I, and I kind of i thought how about sistema and um because you know the evenings were mine while i was there you know there's no family there or anything yeah and so i, I found vadim de Brin. okay um, yeah. mm-hmm. and uh you know what we hit it off straight away and he's a you know an ex-russian paratrooper so we had that in common and 
and uh, you know I went to his classes and had private lessons with him and and you know as much as I could I trained with him for the, the week to 10 days I was over there mm. for about a year and a half period and and learned a huge amount <clears throat> and so so then um, in 2012, in, in 2011, I'd had a very difficult uh, business circumstance, so I had to kind of dissolve the business, and, and it, you know, it was very, very difficult, you know, quite, quite traumatic, and, mm. and uh, coming out of that, uh, I kind of thought, you know, I want to learn something out of this experience, and uh, Vladimir's camp was coming up, so I, I went and did his, I signed up, and I went and did his 2012 camp, Yeah, and, um, and it was a big risk, actually, because, you know, you know business going the wrong way you know money was a bit tight and but i thought no you know i'm going to invest in this and yeah and it you know without a doubt it's the best money i've ever spent in my life yeah and i went there in 2012 and was just absolutely blown away mm -hmm. uh, you know it was kind of in so many ways um it's a different experience, though, the camp, right? So I went in 2008 and again in 2010, and um, I, di I didn't get the 2012 one because I was in England during that time. But it's there's a different experience when you're immersed in it for training all day long, you know, getting up in the morning and then at night and Constantine putting the psychological stuff forwards. It's And you don't yeah. step away, right? There's, a, there's an iterative kind of synergistic effect to that training day in, day out. And it's a, it really is a unique experience, I mean, you know, that, that whole thing. And it was, you know, it healed me physically. Um, yeah. You know, emotionally, um, uh, you know, the, you know, the morning health sessions with Valentin, you know, just, I could feel, oh, you know, old injuries kind of just rise up to the surface, you, yeah. know, you know, stuff that I'd had from playing rugby and football as a kid, as a teenager, you know, and they kind of rose up to the surface and just, poof, just, you know, I could feel them leave the body yeah. and it was just, you know, I kind of, I was looking around thinking what's happening. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then the martial arts side, I, uh, watching Vladimir obviously was something else, you mm. know, and that seeing that level of skill in a, in a, in a martial artist was, was breathtaking. And, yeah. but, but not just that, you know, and, and that you can't skim over that, but you know, just what seeing how many other people, um, had a, a very high level of skill. And, and that told me that, wasn't just a couple of guys that could do this. This could be passed on. Yeah, this know? was a system. And I, I got yeah. that. It was a system. Yeah. yeah. So I kind of got that confidence in it, and then just you know the the and this has become apparent you know more and more just the warmth of Vladimir as a person you know that kind of is a, kind of a a type of person to aspire to be not just a kind of a, a you know the, the martial skills of him. Yeah. And you know it was all very inspiring, and and I, I came back. And as soon as I came back, I, I was kind of very open then saying, okay, you know, this is Sistema and this is Aikido. And I kind of split the two things out in the classes. Yeah. And, um, and I kind of wrestled for about six, seven months with what to do. I, I, I kind of, it could, could two things happened really. One, I, um, I, I thought, you know, I turned 40 that, that, and I thought, you know, with what happened in the business, I thought, okay, if I'm ever going to do what I've always wanted to do and make a living as, as a martial artist, do do this as a as a as a thing that I do, as who I am. Now's the time. Yeah. You know, and I I, I kind of thought, you know, 40, I'm probably halfway through. Mm. Um, and if I if I can't do it now, then you know, the, the, this is the best time to try it. Yeah. And the other thing was that I just was 
very honest with myself. I thought I need to be honest with myself and, and the students and say, this is this and this is that. You know, this is yeah. the stem of this idea. And I was and and um and I tried to ride two horses for that six, seven months and, and some people can are fine. You know, I yeah. know lots of people that teach system and another martial art and they do it great. Yeah. But I couldn't. Um yeah. and I realised that in myself, you know, know thyself. Mm. And uh I, I, you know, kind of part of my personality is kind of an all or nothing sort of personality. Yeah. So I thought I need to be honest and, and you know, with myself and I kind of wrestled with it because I was really invested in Aikido, you know, and I wanted to make a living out of it. And Aikido, I had a lot of students and, you know, I went to teach seminars and I was the, I was the UK point of contact for Saito Sensei and, yeah. you know, and I used to host them regularly. So, and the gradings and things there. So there were financial reasons and, and emotional reasons, you know, I'd yeah. kind of been with that family for 25 years and, mm. you know, I, and so, but in the end, I, I kind of, woke up one morning and I, I thought, um, you know, system is the martial art I've been looking for all my life. Yeah. And, you know, everything I wanted was in it. Yeah. And, uh, and it was an easy decision. It was yeah. a hard decision. And then actually I woke up and it was a really easy decision. I'm familiar with that feeling. And, uh, it's, it's funny. So some, some of the other interviewees have had a similar kind of story, you know, where we transitioned and the, the transition was hard because you have this sunk cost and you have this investment of time and personality and emotion and everything. Yeah. And the thing that you did, you know, and, and people are relying on you and there's a sense of responsibility and you worry about a feeling of betrayal or something, but at the end of the day, something clicks and you're like, yeah, but this is the thing. <laughs> and it's, yeah. that's kind of what happened to me as well. But although I wasn't as a, deeply invested I only made it to like Nidan in Aikido and I was only living in Iwama a couple of years and I wasn't re even by the time I returned to London and started uh, teaching Aikido a little bit um one of my um friends returned from Iwama about six months later Justin Christo I don't know if you met him over there Justin but yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah lovely guy so he came back and he was like go down and started teaching so I'm like oh great now I don't have to teach anymore and I just started training under him again um but then it's yeah for me right. it was moving to the states and finding the Aikido was different where I was in North Carolina and then um, and then meeting Vladimir a month later and being like, yep, that's the guy. That's This is the thing. So it's, yeah. it kind of it kicked it uh, into, there was an abrupt transition, but it took me two years of training Sistema and Aikido concurrently in London for me to gradually start to let that process of letting it go. But it was, it, it was tough, yeah. you know, because Aikido still, I think it's a beautiful martial art and it has much to offer and there's so much that you can learn from it. And I don't regret any of my time um, training yeah. Aikido, um, but uh but I don't regret any of my time training Sistema since either. So it's, yeah. I've only grown yeah. more as a person as a result. And so, yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. So now you teach, um, so now you teach Sistema full time. You have a, a full on Sistema Academy. You have group classes, private classes, um, workshops, bushcraft and, and family classes too. Is it, can you tell us a little bit about how you kind of got started with the format of that? And did it kind of just start with the group classes and then you added things bit by bit? Or did you have a vision for it when you started opening the school? I, uh, no, it kind of kind of grew really uh, organically. I think I because I had I was lucky because I had, you know, two Aikido classes a week, and they kind of transitioned to be the Sistema classes. Yeah. And um, just as as they started filling, then I kind of added another one. So the first one I added was the family class. Yeah. And um, uh, because I had children, so yeah, mm -hmm. I, I wanted to get them involved. And um, so, you know, I, I said, look, I'm going to start this class on a Saturday morning. Uh, you know, a, a kind of family class, mm. and um, I, so I said to the you know the existing members, if you've got families, you know, bring them along, and if you've got any friends who, who've got children, you know, bring them along, and and they kind of just organically grew from that really, and and it was 
it was great because it allowed me to, you know, train my children. Yeah. Um, and to bring them along, get them involved. How, how old um, were your kids then? Just out of interest. How old were your kids when you started? So, well, it, it was one initially. So it was Olivia, and yeah. she. I started her when she was four, I think. Four. four five. Okay. Yeah. And now I would start them at four. So each. So Poppy started at about three and a half, and Monty about the same, and yeah, and kind of, kind of brought them in. Yeah. And um, and and but also it was a, it was a great way to kind of grow the club because you know, still now you get parents that bring their children along and. They see the other parents on the mat, and and you know, whole families engaged and rolling around, and um, and they they kind of more often than not kind of think, well, I'll give it a go myself. Yeah. And uh, you know, and lots of them stay and, and then progress to the the normal evening classes. Yeah. So it's been a great way to kind of grow the curve in such a positive way. So, so what's and, the format for those classes? How do how, how do you uh, how do you format those to make sure that everybody gets what they need to out of the training? So I used to um, do it where uh, everyone would be on for the first forty. So they're an hour and a half. So it's quite long, actually. Yeah, for a kids kids class. Yeah. So it was an hour and a half. Uh, First forty-five minutes would be everyone, and then the second forty-five minutes, um, I'd let the 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 up to eight would go off, Hmm. and kind of I had some stuff they played with and things. And then the adult, the eight and above, would stay on, and, and we'd kind of ramp it up a little bit. Yeah. But um, but just it, in fact, there wasn't really a conscious decision. That just kind of the forty-five minutes started getting longer and longer over time. Until in the end, I thought well, there's no point in sending the young ones off. But at first, I used to let them. I said, you know, okay, young ones go off if you want to. Hmm. And then in the end, they, everyone just stayed on, you know. And uh, but it's kind of broke. So in the, the the first bit is kind of just basic movement. You know, some, some rolling, some crawling, some, you know, fun rodeo games and things like that, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you know, sitting on the back and, and horse riding games and things and kind of everyone moves and warms up and rolls around and crawls over each other and stuff. And then um, then we'll kind of do a few drills. There'll always be some groundwork drills because that's crucial for kids, really. It's kind of yeah. how they form and how they grow and that contact. Yeah. Um, and um, then I'll, I'll kind of progress that into kind of, Roughly whatever I'm doing with the adults at the time, so could be stick, could be kicks, could be punches, you know, whatever. Um, and then we'll kind of do two or three kind of evolutions of a drill, and then then I'll do the pillars, and and they love that. And then I'll do a little little challenge, and they love that. Hmm. And then we'll do do a game that you know a system orientated game, and then then we'll do some massage. Mm. Where the adults lie down and the kids walk over them, mm. and then you know vice versa. Although obviously the adults don't walk over the kids, mm. and then um, then before you know it, it's time to finish. You know, and, it, and it's kind of just flown by. Right. So, so that that's kind of the format, really. How long has that been going for? When did you start those? So I started those in in about uh, 2012. About six years. Six years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's about great. Six years, yeah. Yeah. So, that's- and it's and it stays yeah. stable. You have like a constant influx of people. And it bounces out. You have good numbers. Yeah, it's always my busiest class. So there can be like uh, sometimes there can be forty or fifty people on the mat in wow. the family <laughs> class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Brilliant. So so yeah, it can be can be just hugely busy yeah. and just a lot of fun. You know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm looking forward to myself and a couple of uh, of, there's another instructor in Charlotte here, Patrick McLean. He's just started teaching 
basically a Sistema class um, in Charlotte for kids, but he's not calling it Sistema, he's just calling it Rough House. So it's like, which I think is really interesting, right. like Rough House playing. So yeah. it's like, right. come along, and they basically do Sistema drills at the beginning, and they yeah. roll around and play, and then um, and then towards the end, it turns, it's games that they're not allowed to play in American schools anymore, like Tug of War, and like yeah. a British Bulldog, stuff like that. They've been banned, and like to the point, I think the thing that um, triggered him on it, and I'm hoping to get him on the podcast to talk about it, was that his son, Emerson, was told at school he was referred to like the counselor or something and and was and had these words said to him as, as like a you know six-year-old kid can we think about a game we can play that's less violent than tag <laughs> this kid <laughs> and when yeah when uh, when he came home and told him that patrick's like right that's it yeah. i've got to i've got to toughen these kids up i've got to do something because it's removing this sense of comfort um with discomfort from an entire generation of kids right and it's turning them into kind of delicate little snowflakes that get too emotionally upset and involved in things and stuff like that and, and you know, there's a place for sensitivity and there's a place for concern and of course you have to make sure everybody's safe but at the same time if you if you're not inoculated against anything at all then everything becomes stressful and dangerous to you right in, in your mind and, and if we're doing that to a whole generation of kids it, it doesn't bode, bode well for the future <laughs> completely right yeah uk is the same you know where else are you going to learn this stuff you, you learn it at, mm. in primary school with, with your mates you know yeah or, yeah well, or at home, ideally. Yeah. Um, but but you know, even at home, it, you know, it's amazing the amount of parents and kids that don't roll around on the floor and wrestle. You know, wrestlers. Right. Yeah. Um, so so yeah. So it's uh, it, um, it, it it kind of I didn't do it for that reason. You know yeah. that that's kind of got more apparent as as I've gone through. But I know now more and more people come and tell me that, and you know, it's wonderful to have a place where. And where kids can can understand an adult strength, you know. Yeah. Um, mm. And and also, you know, the adults get a lot from it because they have to move a lot more. Yeah. When they're working with kids, yeah. Sometimes they don't want to use their strength and just completely dominate a kid. Mm. But you know, kids are so fast and yeah. they move so unexpectedly that they've got to move and adjust and, and move with them. And so yeah. it's a great learning for the adults too. Yeah, you know, I, to I take to... all that strength out. And, yeah, I did a workshop. Um, I think it was, it was about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago uh, here, and it was basically um. It's. It, I think it was something like. Uh, let me see. The one that's was it was just grappling the kind of uh, principles, but with system of like relaxed movement of grappling. It turned into. Um, yeah. But for the first part, um, my son Sean, who was only about I think four, three or four at the time, came along, and we were doing the warm ups, and he was kind of sitting on my back while we were crawling right. and stuff like that, and he was into it. And we did a mirroring drill um, towards the first part of that, where we've done ton- hundreds of times with the adults, where you just face each other, and one of you will start, slowly start to move, do a push up, do a yeah. leg raise roll some way and you basically just have to mirror them as closely as possible right just as if you're um yeah. with them the whole yeah. time breathe like them, move like them yeah. all that kind of stuff and then um, and all the adults paired up and um my three-year-old really wanted to do it and uh, one of my co-instructors brian marco uh, he's instructor in training now he's just training then um didn't have a partner so i paired him up with sean and it was just hilarious this three-year-old because he was so erratic right there was no preamble there was no preparation for any of his movements he just dropped into a squat and flopped onto his back and he and my son is just laughing his head off and, and everybody's laughing at brian attempting to move as quickly and freely and you know without intent like as the three-year-old and he's like wow this is really hard he's like, so yeah i can see how that would uh how that would pad out really really well in the whole class yeah but and it's you know great because you, you we watch the children doing the pillars mm. and you know the way they can squat and you know d- just the, the, the leg raise and you know the, the the way they get to the floor and back up is just a, you know it's a real um, inspirational education for the adults to kind of remember yeah. how they used to be able to move and yeah. to be reminded of that 
you yeah. know, to try and aspire to that and get back to that. Yeah. And, you that's, know, of course, that's tough, but, yeah. but really good. Yeah, because yeah, otherwise we tend to see it sometimes as a sense of like, oh, I have to try and gain some flexibility, right? Like, like trying to learn how to do a, a flat split or something like that. I think adults t- tend to think of, oh, I, I can't squat all the way down to the ground because I'm old. It's just I can't do this kind of thing. It's like, well, you could do it once. You just acquired a whole bunch of tension that stopped you from doing it. And it's, it reminds them, I think, that it's, it's a process of shaving off useless stuff instead of trying to add some new flexibility skill, right? It's just allowing your body to do Completely. that again. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah. So, so segueing on that yeah. one, actually, onto health. Um, I'd like to talk to you a little about. You've written a couple of books, um, which I've got actually. I've got hold of them, and I thought they were absolutely fantastic. Oh, One well, on um, basic system of combat drills, which are really handy um, yeah. for uh, for planning out classes for system instructors. So I can absolutely recommend those, and I'll stick the I'll stick the links to these in the show notes so that um, instructors listening to this can get hold of it as well. Um, but you had another book on system of health practices that I thought was excellent. Um, was there a specific kind of, did you always have a big kind of uh, awareness of health or did Sistema kind of uh, cultivate that in you? Was that something that you always had? Were you always healthy when you were in the army or you kind of had that kind of self-resilience kind of, you know, depend on yourself type thing? Was the paras that bred that into you or did you come to that later on? No, I think I came to that. I think, uh, again, so two things I did when, when you know, the business went south and I thought I'm going to invest in myself. One was... I got a personal trainer mm. um, just to kind of, you know, get uh, to, to look at kind of uh, a functional fitness. Yeah. You know, more than just running because I, I, I could run, you know, and I, you kind of, they say join the army, see the world, join the paras and run around the bloody thing. <laughs> so I, kind of, I, I done a lot of running. I do a lot of run. But, um, but, but in terms of, you know, an overall functional fitness and, and looking at, you know, diets and things like that. So I, I got a personal trainer who was an Olympian. And, um, and, and he was amazing. And, uh, and, and so I, that was the first time I started looking at health. And at the same time, I went to Canada and, and, you know, Valentin's health session in the morning, the hour of health, yeah. just amazing, you know? And so, you know, the, the book is, is in a lot of ways based on the stuff I did with him yeah. there. And, and then other stuff that I, you know, looked at, you know, differently at the way, you know, the, the, the preparation work in, in the, the classes. Hmm. And movements and things that I, I, I kind of seen Vladimir do. So, so yeah. So, so that was with it. But, but no, before that, Systema really is what kind of opened my eyes to, you know, how much of a difference how you breathe, how you move, you know, just how different real health. Well, firstly, that health and fitness are two different things, mm-hmm. and then you know what, what a difference you know you can make with simple everyday things you know yeah uh, movements you know that, that we do in Sistema and um, you know they're, to not be deceived by their simplicity yeah um, just how uh, total and, and holistic you know what those movements are for your body just how much they nourish and, and how much your body needs them yeah. so so that, that really inspired me and, and so it seemed natural to me because right from the start I'd separated out Sistema Health and Sistema Combat yeah. As, as two separate classes, like mm. Vladis really with breathing, the breathing class, and then the, the other class, mm. and uh, and that worked well for the demographic that comes to me. It was kind of fifty-fifty people that came just for the health. breathing yeah. health classes, yeah. and 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 as, as well, it's a great inroad. It, it's a great kind of way to get people to say, "Well, come along and try that and see how you feel." And then, if you want, you can progress and try the the other classes, or just stick with those. So it's a yeah. it's, it's a great way to bring people in. Yeah. Especially when they look at YouTube and see big guys clobbering each other. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's not always 
the best advertisement to bring. Sure. The sort of people that stay with Sistema, you know, often would be, you know, quite turned off by the yeah. guys in combat hitting each other. So yeah. So it was a great kind of induction. And it just made sense if I was going to write something to, to show both sides. Both yeah. Did, do you think um, in general health is emphasized enough in Sistema teaching and practices? Because people have different emphases, right? Everybody, well, most of us at least yeah. return to the source regularly and go and train with uh, with Michael or Vladimir and, and get kind of regular input. And, and they're always kind of resetting and talking about health and how important it is and learning how to walk and stand and breathe is so critical, you know, structuring your body so that it's resilient and you have that kind of combative body that's ready to work, right? Um, but I see, I see the approach varies and some of the people are kind of like, yeah, let's skip through the warm-up here and, you know, do the, do the push-ups yeah. the obligatory push-ups and a bit of breathing and then, then let's get to the good stuff here right but this is not my approach and i don't think from seeing your approach it seems like you have a very strong emphasis on health as if it's kind of the underpinning of all of it and um, this way do you feel like it could be more emphasized or in especially in the kind of the advertising that we that, that we put out there rather than kind of market systemas more badass than krav maga and more commando than whatever it is yeah. you think you're doing and that kind of stuff uh, talking about the sustainability of it and the fact that it just makes you more solid first and foremost and secondarily, you know, it's, it's, it's martial and will help you to prevail in other ways. Yeah. I, I think, um, I, my initial thought as you were talking was, you know, it's, 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 it's difficult because, you know, everyone's system is their own system. It's one of the unique things about this, you know, and if someone's real, skill and passion is the combat side or, or their interest then yeah. yes they should be free to teach that side of it sure but, but absolutely I think, but, but actually yeah but but i get where you're coming from because i mean firstly i think the system has changed from when it first came on the scene you know when i first saw mikhail um and, and vladimir you know it was, it was very were the, the breathing and the pillars were there um i don't think though the the emphasis from what i remember was as much on health and when i look at the guys that picked it up in the very beginning hmm. you know I, I think it, it's changed a lot in certainly in, in the way it strikes me that that Mikhail and, and Vladimir put it across you know yeah I think there's uh, there's much more of an emphasis on health and you hear Vladimir saying things like you know it, the, the, the wonderful thing about the beauty of Sistema is that you, as your skill improves your health improves and it has to for you to be a for you to be getting better at Sistema, you've got to be getting more relaxed, more free, yeah. more mo more mobile. You know, it can't work otherwise. Yeah. And so, I, you know, and then from health to combat, you know, and so, I, you know, I've heard that said. So I think you've got to have an emphasis and an understanding of those things yeah. in order to be able to develop someone completely in Sistema and, and to be able to breathe properly, you know. Yeah. Um, and and that, that's no mean task, you know, to, 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 to get yourself to do that, let alone... To, to embody it enough to for people to to yeah. be able to teach it. Yeah. So I, I think, um, and of course, you know, it, it, it's 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 almost a cliche, but how often do we fight? Yeah. These days, you know, yeah. hardly ever, and and yet, you know, you can improve your health in every single moment. Yeah. You know, when you sit down, when you stand up, when you meet someone, when you get a bit of bad news, when you yeah. think about something, you know, the the way that you hold yourself, carry yourself release tension release pressure release your breath you know in every single moment you can make yourself a little bit healthier or a little bit unhealthier you know yeah so i, I think you know and that was why i wrote living systema because yeah. third book because mm. if, if you're not thinking about it in every moment you know to me you're never going to get it yeah it's, it's never going to be your thing yours you know yeah it, it, it's, it's never going to be 
Takibusu, what you'd say in Aikido. You know, it's yeah. never going to be the right thing, be born in every moment. Manifest itself. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. So, so no, and on hindsight, I'd absolutely say, you know, uh, I think that, that the health element of Sistema needs to be emphasized. Yeah. I think, and, yeah. But was there a time in your life um, pre-Sistema where, where looking back now, you, you kind of wish you'd had the skills from Sistema that would have come in really, really oh. handy? Because I find myself thinking about that quite a lot. You know, it's not just in specific conflicts and fights I could have got out of or you know, lost yeah. to, with less damage and things like that, but also just times when I could have used that ability to recover myself, control things emotionally, you know, be more healthy, all of those things. Were there specific experiences that you had that you feel, or times in your life where you feel like Sistema would have been of great benefit? Yeah, so... Every single run I did in the parachute regiment, if I'd known how to regulate my breathing better, how to recover better, my goodness, that whole experience would have been easier. Yeah. Um, you know, those those times, you know, for sure, so many times in, in the army. Um, and then um, there were times that I can remember, I'm usually a really good sleeper. I don't have a problem going to sleep. My head hits the pillow and I'm gone, you know. Yeah. Um, but I can remember when I was having a really difficult time with business, uh, you know, driving back sometimes and just starting to feel my heart race. Yeah. You know, and uh, and I didn't know how to control that at all. But, mm. You know, apart from let it play out. You yeah. Know? And, and the same, you know, I'd, I'd had some of those, those, you know, the the, the worst times can be those two three o'clock in the morning in the dark hours and you wake and your mind's racing and yeah and you know you you all the demons are there and um and you know if i'd known then how to calm myself and how to breathe and mm-hmm. you know the biggest gift you know that sistema vladimir mikhail have, have given me is to know how to take a deep breath and mm-hmm. exhale and transform myself yeah one breath mm-hmm. what a gift that is yeah you know what a gift and and, and, you know, as astoundingly is that I didn't realize that before, you know, this thing that we do all the time that's available mm. to every single person, yeah. you know, just had no idea how to transform a moment in a breath. Yeah. And what a gift that is. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And of course, I had, had fights and it would have been useful for those. But, uh, you know, they're, they're not the things that spring to mind. So, yeah, yeah. So, so what's next for you? Have you got any uh, events coming up, uh, seminars, things that um, you'd like people to know about? And how would they get in touch with you if they want to come and train at the uh, that Hill System Academy? Yeah, so, yeah, I, I get lots of people now coming to me through the books. So, um, you know, th- th- my email address is in the books and, and contact details. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, so my email address is uh, matt at matthill.co.uk or, or through the website. Um, uk. Yeah. Um, or um, uh, so seminars wise, I've got Vladimir coming to the UK in March 2019. Yeah. Um, then I've got a, 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 a five day uh, immersion camp in the UK, um, which is kind of a, an outdoor camp. So I, I try and replicate as, as much as I can what I got from Vladimir's camp. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a it's a, a poor distant relative, but it's the you know kind of the best I can do, um, and that's in a lovely part of Wiltshire. Um, yeah. So that that's a kind of five days, and, and that's kind of a, a fundamentals camp really, where I try and get across you know the real the, the fundamentals, the core of, of Sistema. And when does that run? What t- what time of year do you run that? That's in July. So okay. that's the the fourth to the eighth of July. 
Um, then I've got a course in Aberdeen in Scotland in hey, June. My old stomping ground hey. where I went to university. That's it, my old stomping ground. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh, and then I do another uh, intensive in November, which is kind of an indoor intensive. So uh, so yeah, they're the the, the, and the dates of all those are on uh, my emails. People can subscribe to the the, the newsletter, which you know I, I write kind of articles and blogs and tips and things and, and put out videos yeah. of uh, of Systema. So and they, they they can sign up to that on the web page. Yeah, highly rec- highly recommended. By the way, I think your articles are excellent, and the videos and tips are just, very, especially the foundational work. I think it's really really good. Sometimes you know, there's lots of um, fancy work on the, on YouTube and people demonstrating yeah. high end stuff, but there's not so many people just drilling down into the fundamentals and reinforcing how important they are. And I think your work is uh, phenomenal in that regard. So I'll definitely recommend, and I'll put links to the uh, the sign up pages for your for your uh, newsletters and videos um, on the podcast show notes too. Cool. Thank you very much. Great. Thanks very much, Matt. Uh, thanks for the uh, for taking the time out today. And um, I'm, ho- I'm hoping we can do this again at some point. And maybe we can. Uh, and I'm very much hoping we can cross paths and get the train train together on different continents as we are. I'm actually going to be over in Europe in July. I would love to have come to your uh, your seminar at your five day camp. But I'm going to be visiting my parents in Spain and, and just sipping wine across Spain and Portugal. So that's going to be. I hope um, that's going to be my relaxation training for the next. It is month. a hardship. Yeah. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you very much. Matt. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about training at NC Sistema, you can visit us online at www.ncsistema.com. If you'd like to find out more about Sistema classes and seminars worldwide, please visit www.russianmartialart.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can share it with your friends online, you can support us and write a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, or you can support us directly via patreon.com with a monthly contribution of $2 or more. That's www.patreon.com slash ncsystema. Many thanks, good health, and see you in training.